Welcome to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. Thank you for tuning in. We pray that the following message will help you connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and others. If you have your Bibles with you, open them to the Gospel of John chapter 14 and also uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. John 14, 1 Corinthians 15. While you're turning there, I want to mention a couple of things. Uh, Our church is a member of the Southern Baptist Convention. We're a member locally of the Fairburn Baptist Association, the uh, Georgia Baptist Mission Board, and then the Southern Baptist Convention nationally. And within the convention, there is an international mission board that, that pools all of our resources so that we support missionaries around the globe. And then there's a North American mission board that pools our resources so that we support missionaries who, who serve in North America. So you have the International Mission Board and the North American Mission Board. Now, the reason I mention this is because we have uh, some special guests here today. I didn't know they were coming, and they didn't know I was going to recognize them, but I want to recognize them. Uh, Dr. Howard Ramsey, Dr. Ms. Howard Ramsey, uh, would y'all stand up so we can just see y'all? Please stand so we can see you. We want to see y'all both. We want to see you both. Yes. Yes. We appreciate y'all. Yes, that's right. Appreciate these folks. Uh, Dr. Howard Ramsey is a retired director of evangelism for the North American Mission Board. Uh, He and Ms. Ramsey have devoted their entire adult lives to supporting Christian ministries through uh, Southern Baptist uh, ministries, and they live out here at Baptist Manor now. I mention them because I believe that the two of them deserve to be recognized and honored. And thank y'all so much for everything you do and everything you mean to uh, Baptists around the world. Thank you so very much. I want you to appreciate him one more time. Well, uh, for the next six weeks, I want to talk with you uh, on a series that I've called On Death and Dying. So if this is your first time visiting with us, aren't you so happy that you came on this Sunday when we started talking about death and dying, right? Um, And today's message is called a comma, a comma. In John 14, uh, our Lord is trying to prepare his disciples for his departure. They're beginning to get it a little bit mostly not. And what they are getting, they don't like, they don't understand, they're troubled by it. And so he's trying to comfort them with the words that he says in John 14. And here's what he says. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me. That's amazing. That you also may be where I am. God, Jesus wants to be where we are for eternity. That's amazing. You know the way to the place where I'm going. And Thomas said to him, Thomas, I love Thomas. If anybody's going to be honest, it's going to be Thomas. Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way 
and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 14. Now in 1 Corinthians 15, we have the Apostle Paul writing his first letter to the church at Corinth. It is a church that he founded. It is a church that is in trouble. They're divided over many issues. They're divided over uh, not only issues that are happening within the church, but they're divided over doctrinal issues. And one of the things that is causing Paul some, some uh concern is, is what's happening within that congregation with regard to their belief or lack of belief in the resurrection. The idea that, that Jesus was raised from the dead and therefore that we also can be raised from the dead. And so in the middle of chapter 15, a whole chapter that's devoted to resurrection, beginning with verse 12, Paul says, but if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, How can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be witnesses about God false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead, but he did not raise him if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ, those who've died in Christ are lost. If only for this life, We have hope in Christ. We are of all people most to be pitied. Verse 20, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. First fruits means he's not the only one who will be raised from the dead. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Today we begin talking about death. Help us to see it for what it really is and not the monster we've made it out to be. In Christ's name, amen. Mary Piper is a clinical psychologist. She's also an author. Recently, I was reading an article that she wrote that was in a national newspaper And she said this, I want to share it with you. She said, quote, I have always felt my own finitude. My father had his first stroke at 45 and he died at 54. My mother died of diabetes at 74. She says, I am 72. I would like to attend my last grandchild's high school graduation. I would like to meet at least one great-grandchild. However, with my family history, that is unlikely. She says, now with the news filled with stories of coronavirus, I'm reminded of the many random diseases that can strike suddenly and lethally. She says, I love the world. That is the world she live in. But I know I cannot stay. Death happens to everyone, she says, and I know that we will all participate in its enactment. 
But then she says this, like almost all my peers, I want to die young as late as possible. I want to die young as late as possible. Isn't that a great statement? That's one of those statements I wish I had come up with and I didn't. I want to die young as late as possible. Dying. Did you know that every day around the world, approximately 150,000 people will die? We got up this morning, it felt like an hour earlier than we normally do, didn't it? Didn't it not? And we will go to bed sometime tonight. Some of us will go to bed with the sun still up tonight. I realize that. But by the time that we go to bed tonight, 150,000 people will have died around the world. Now, of those who die each day across the globe, about two-thirds of them, about 100,000 of them, die of age-related causes. When I read that stat, I thought about my good friend Bob Allen. Bob Allen died two weeks ago. He was our oldest male member. He was 95. He was in really good health for a 95 years old. He drove up until last November, and uh, the state sent him a little letter that said, we're going to rescind your driver's license, and that's the only reason he stopped driving then at 95 years old. But Bob just passed away early one morning after saying goodbye to his daughter. He was 95. Did you know, you probably know, Bob and I like barbecue. Does anybody here like barbecue? Raise your hand. Does any of you eat too much barbecue? Raise your hand. I eat too much barbecue. Bob Allen and I visited 21 different barbecue restaurants within a 45 or 50 minute radius of Palmetto over the past three years. We love to eat barbecue together. He and I were scheduled to eat barbecue the week after he died. Bob Allen. He was one of those who died. In fact, among those 150,000 who died on that Wednesday morning he died, Bob was among 358 World War II veterans who died. Bob died of age-related causes. Two-thirds of those folks will. Now listen to this. According to the United Nations World Population Prospects, 7,452 people die every day in the United States. That translates to one person every 12 seconds. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning so we could talk about death? 1,001, 1,002, 1,003, 1,004, 1,005, 1,006, 1,007, 1,008, 1,009, 1,010. 1,011, 1,012. During the time that I went over those 12 seconds, one person died in the United States. Now, we don't think that much about it until it's someone we know 
or if it's someone in our family, especially if it's someone close or maybe a best friend. But one person every 12 seconds, almost 7,500 people uh, a day in the United States die. Now, among those who die today, there will be some who will die with the flu. There will be some who will die from heart disease. There will be some who will die, a few, just a few, from coronavirus. In spite of what we see on the news, and it could get worse, but in spite of what we see, there's, there's just a few people in the United States who will die today of coronavirus. There are more who will die today of suicide than coronavirus. Whatever the case, we will die. Now, here's something that's interesting. I know y'all came here for a trivia lesson, didn't you? Some of you say, is he going to preach or not? I know what you're thinking. I'm going to get to the sermon in a minute. Maybe this is part of it. I don't know. Did you know that 100 years ago, somewhere between 1900 and 1920, the average lifespan expected, if a person was born in 1919 or 1920, they were expected to live an average of less than 50 years. That's what the lifespan was 100 years ago. Now, what that means is that half the people who, live, who were born then would live over, over 50 years old and half of them would live under 50. The average age, the median age would be 50 years old. Today, the CDC tells us that the average lifespan is 78.6 years old for people in America. Isn't that something? We've added almost 29 years to the average lifespan over the past century. Now, you might be interested in knowing that that men in America average 76.1 years, but women average 81.1 years. Isn't that amazing? I think it's because women have behaved and we guys have not. I don't know, but I've heard that. I would imagine that has something to do with it. But, you know, the ladies are living longer. The men are living shorter. Uh, probably the ladies are living longer because of the aerobic exercise from having to put up with us men. I don't know. I'm just talking here. But what about after death? What do we think happens after death? According to the Pew Research Center, roughly 7 in 10, 72% of Americans say they believe in heaven. Let me just pause right there for a moment and say this. Of the people who say they believe in heaven, the vast majority of them think they're going to heaven. Now, let me keep going. That same research from Pew Research says that 58% of U.S. adults, just less than 6 out of 10, believe in hell. So seven out of, just more than 7 out of 10 believe in heaven, just less than 6 out of 10 believe in hell. Uh, let me just pause right here and say something. Uh, among those who believe in hell, the vast majority of them don't think they're going there. Did you know that? That's true. You probably know that uh, as chaplain of one of the local funeral homes, Parrot Parrot Funeral Home, I I will speak at about 35 funerals a year. You know what I found out about at funerals? Not not in every case, but in a lot of funerals, there are a lot of universalists at the funeral home. Everybody thinks they're going to heaven when you get to the funeral home. Very few people say, well, my cousin, he was a sorry rascal. He's not going to heaven. Most of them will say, he's a sorry rascal, but he had given given you the shirt off his back. If anybody's going to be in heaven, he's going to be there. 
Seven out of ten believe in heaven. Six out of ten believe in hell. Most all of those think they're all going to heaven. Well, what does the Bible teach us about dying, death and dying? That's really what's most important. And so let me just say this. First of all, the Bible teaches us that we all have an appointment with death. We all have an appointment with death. We don't know exactly when it's going to come. We don't know how it's going to come. We don't know how long it'll be drawn out. But all of us have an appointment with death. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. The writer of Hebrews says this. It is appointed for people to die once. And after this, the judgment. So as someone else has said in in, in another one of those statements that I wish I'd have said, but I didn't come up with, of all of us who are in this room, none of us are going to get out of here alive. We're all going to face death. That is, unless the Lord comes back first. If he doesn't come back first, none of us are going to get out of here alive. In fact, according to the scriptures, there have only been two people who got out of this life without experiencing death. The first one is Enoch in the book of Genesis in one of those long sections of uh, uh, so-and-so was the son of so-and-so who was the son of so-and-so and they lived so many years and he died and had children and so many years and he died. So it says Enoch walked with God and was not. For God took him. It's one of the strangest things in all of Scripture. And what that really means is Enoch was someone who walked with God so closely and for so long that one day, evidently, God said, Enoch, I'll tell you what, let's just forget this death thing with you. Just come on up here. Enoch walked with God and suddenly disappeared. He just was not because he walked with God right on. The other person was Elijah who went to heaven in a chariot. Elisha saw him as God took him away. But outside of those two, everybody else that we're aware of had to experience death. And my guess is, and it's it's a pretty good guess, I think, that's what you and I are going to do too. All of us have an appointment with death. Now, most of us, when we get to thinking about death, though, we don't really, it's not so much that we fear death itself, dying. We know that it's part of life, but, but there is Looming over each of our lives, there, there, there is a, 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 the fact that death looms over us mainly because of the uncertainty related to death. There are things about death we don't know. Um, I can tell you, and Dr. Ramsey could tell you, he's done a lot of funerals too. We have, we have spoken at funerals of, of, of people who were six and a half feet long or high, tall. And we have been at the funerals of people whose caskets were as small as this. Point mean, we don't know when we're going to die. The Lord has blessed me and let me live 59 years. If we live to July, it's 60 years. I don't know how in the world that I've lived that long, but here I have lived that long. I really think that uh, for Baptist pastors, the lifespan is a lot shorter for, on average. We just don't live that long. But I don't know. We don't know. None of us know. There's an uncertainty about when we're going to die. But, but what is even more uncertain is how we're going to die. You know, we don't really mind dying But we really wish that we could choose how we die. Isn't that right? I mean, how many times have you heard somebody say, you know, they say, well, you know, old old, uh, Sam over there, 
when he was when he was 98 years old, he was in great health, went to bed that Thursday night and just died in his sleep. Boy, that's the way to go. Have you ever heard anybody say something like that? That's the way we'd like to go. If we had our druthers, that's how we'd like to go. Yeah, but but the, the fact of the matter is, while some of us will die that way, we don't have the choice. Unless we end our own lives tragically, which is not something that any of us would encourage. But none of us really knows. We may die like Sam in our sleep, or we may, we may spend the last 10 or 12 years of our lives with Alzheimer's and not know we're even in the world. We may suffer with cancer treatments, succeeding and then not succeeding over and over again. It's the uncertainty about death. And uh, uh, that is something that is universally experienced. Isaac Asimov, the uh, biochemist and science fiction writer, said this. He says, life is pleasant. Death is peaceful. He said, it's the transition that's troublesome. The transition, the how we go through that thing called death. Jesus told us in in a couple of places, he said that the end, his return would come like a thief in the night. And there are other places in scripture that indicate that's the way death comes too, like a thief in the night. We don't like thieves. Do we like thieves? We don't. How many of you have uh, an alarm system at your house? Raise your hand. How many of you have one, but you didn't want to admit it right here by raising your hand? Yeah, some of you did. We have an alarm system at our house. And of course, we turn it on when we leave. We turn it on when we go to bed. I think back when I was young, we had a, a, a front door and a back door. A kitchen door was the back door. It was really a side door. And you open it up and there was a screen door. And I can remember going to bed as a kid and, and the, the, the kitchen door was open and the screen door was unlocked. And even when we locked the house, people in, in that day, my dad and my granddad, they would hang the key to the house near the back door. What in the world? We wouldn't dare do that today. We have an alarm system. You know why? Because we're afraid of somebody breaking in. You know something that's never happened? Let me tell you something that's never happened. You'll never have this happen to you. Somebody calls you up. You say, hello. I say, hey. They say, hey. I don't say it. They say it. Hello, I'm a thief. And I know it's 2.30 in the afternoon. You're probably either at work or you're taking a nap. You're probably thinking about what you're going to eat for supper. And I just wanted to call and give you a little heads up. About 3 a.m., I'm going to break into your house and steal most of what you've got. That's not going to happen to you. Because they don't call in advance. They're thieves. Jesus said his return will be like a thief in the night. He also said that death comes to us, many of us, like a thief in the night. We didn't know it was going to happen. Bob Allen was 95 years old. Typically, you'd think a person who's 95, he ought to, be, ought to have his backpacks all the time, right? But, but when he died and I got the text that he had died, I was shocked. I was literally shocked. It's the uncertainty of death. But here's what I want to leave you with. And I think this is the most important thing that we can say from the Bible about death. The Bible teaches us that death, while certain, is merely a comma in the middle of a sentence and not the period at the end of a sentence. It's a comma in the middle of the sentence. So many people in our world think that death is the end. That it's the end of everything. 
But I, I agree with John Green, the pastor of The Fault in Our Stars. He echoes the Bible's thoughts about death when he said this, quote, that's the, that's the part of, that I like about the book in some ways. He says it portrays death truthfully. He says, you die in the middle of your life, in the middle of a sentence. Death is the middle of your life. And I would say it's not even the middle. It's really toward the very start. Because eternity is going to last forever and ever and ever. Amen. It's never going to end. And so, so death really is a comma near the beginning of a sentence that after the comma continues and never ends. I think that's what Jesus was saying in John 14. Guys, look. Death is not the end. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And there's one day after you die, which is just a comma, I'm going to take you with me. I'm, I'm building you a place. That's what Paul was saying. Look, he said, look, death is not the end. Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. And he wasn't just raised for the de- from the dead for the heck of it. He was raised from the dead so that he could be the first fruits of all of those who will be raised from the dead. Who are they? You and me if we have a relationship with Christ. So death is a comma near the beginning of the sentence. And what comes after that comma will be 10 billion, billion times better than anything we've ever had here. And it will continue forever and ever. That's what I want to leave you with here today. Forget all the statistics. Just remember this. For the Christian, death is a comma. It's not the period. And the best comes after the comma. Just remember that. Okay? Let's talk about death and dying. We need to. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a blessing to know that this life, as wonderful as it can be, is not all there is. How wonderful to know that you have made sure that the end of this life is not a period, but rather it is a comma with the best yet to follow. But Lord, the best yet to follow applies only to those who know the Lord Jesus, who have a relationship with Jesus. I'm confident, Lord, that most people in this room have a relationship with you And for them, it is true that death is a comma after which comes the best part. But Lord, it may be that there are some people here who have never invited you to be their savior. They do not yet have a relationship with you. And so for them, death is also a comma. But it's not followed by the best is yet to come. So Lord, I pray for someone to come to know you in this service as Savior and Lord. And I pray for the rest of us to realize that death is not a monster. It's just a tapping of the brakes, a comma before the best. In Jesus' name, amen.